This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R sponsors. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Two minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. It is Radio Marinara on three triple R. I'm Anthony Boxall. And, and I'm Dr. Beach with a somewhat, somewhat truncated <laughs> introduction to Radio Marinara. My there, enormous apologies there, Dr. Beach. Well, I, I, could, I could take that for you, Anth. I, um, what, what happened there, uh, Dr. Beach, and to the listeners who may have been thinking, gosh, we're just getting up, we're just warming up into the and was really going to come, was that I looked down and I pressed the wrong button. Oh. That happens. Uh, yes. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, you look down when you haven't had a great deal of sleep. Yeah. And you think, gosh, there's, a, there's an array of buttons and they're all flashing. And, and there you are panelling. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just one of those kind of slouches that sits on the other side of the desk occasionally on a Sunday morning and takes no responsibility <laughs> for getting the, getting the waves out there to uh, the listeners. No, I, I, I do. That's not true. I know there was a tiny bit of responsibility there. Or perhaps that was panic in your eyes when... Um, <laughs> <laughs> was I with that bead? Did I touch something? <laughs> Did I do it? No! Hands in the air. Hey, welcome to Radio Marinara. Welcome to a, uh, another wonderful show. The, the show about all things wet and salty. We are... We, we like to concentrate on the marine environment. We sometimes look at um, water in other places, such as on Mars, where people are excited about water being under yeah, the ca- ice cap. Uh, is it too? Now, let, let's, ca- let's pick that up in a tick. Let's just talk about today's show first, because I did want to ask about that. Um, I, I don't want to go I don't know why I said that. Because I was intrigued by that. Come back to that. Hey, we've got a big show. We do. Um, we want to thank Tim. Um, because he, again, has, has raised the bar to a level that beyond... It's post-bar. Is it possible to raise a bar beyond the bar? It, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sublime. It, it is sublime. It is sublime. sublime. It happens it's, every week um, without fail. It's... Continually it's, it's, astounding. Uh, it, Tim does not deliver a radio show. Tim, Tim delivers a movement. It's a movement. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of words to add to that. Yes, so, you know, uh, that's it. You're speechless, aren't you? Yeah, I am speechless. Um, and particularly, I loved and the Miller and the crew, crew in the, at the end there with the, I just, yeah, anyway, I just, how does he do this? 
Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we, we, we've, we, we've got a show. Uh, we do. Radio What's on our show? It's, it's Anthony Boxall and Dr. Beach with you here this morning. What's that? Well, we're going to Polo Bay. We are. For a little bit. We are. To talk yeah. about a festival which is coming up called Winter Wild, starting Absolutely. next weekend. And then... Simon, Simon J. Karras uh, from New Music, is, uh, Nice Music is coming in. Tell us about it. Oh, he's actually coming he's in. He's coming in. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and Dr. Sarah McSweeney from Melbourne University is going to join us towards the end of the show. She is what I would call an estuary detective. Okay. A forensic historian. Or of estuarine detective. Oh, it could be estuarine. No, well, no. No, no. Because no, no, she's not personally estuarine herself. Oh, oh, all right. No, okay, yes. Yeah, so she doesn't live human. in an estuarine no, environment. No, no, no. So that'll be... She'll come in and we'll we'll find out um, how on earth one be pieces together the history of estuaries. Cool. I yeah, look forward to that immensely. Yeah. And then we, we've got a bunch of news. A lot of things happen, including including something we shan't mention yet. Okay. Release the Wolfen. The Wolfen. Release the Wolfen. Oh, release... The Wolfen. <laughs> so I'm just looking at Kent there. Yeah, yeah, we're not getting anything. He's not, no, no. Yeah, he's, um, we're just, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Anyway, you... Wolfen. Well, let's talk about the Wolfen. Let's talk about the Wolfen. Wolfen. It, it, so, um, Peace in the Guardian this week. Seriously. Yeah, it doesn't seriously. exist. Seriously. Wolfen, it's called I Wolfen. Th- yeah, supposed whale-dolphin hybrid, but that is actually a misnomer. I uh, thought a dolphale was probably a better... A dolphale? A dolphale. Could be it. So yeah. why do you call it a misnomer? Well, it, you know, scientists are touting the first sighting of a hybrid between a melon-headed whale and a rough-toothed dolphin. So, you know, you might think if you've got a hybrid between a melon-toothed whale and a rough... No, a melon-headed whale and a rough-toothed dolphin, that, yes, it should be crossed between a whale and a dolphin, hence wolfen. However, a um, melon-headed whale is actually not a true whale, it's more a dolphin, so it's, it's, it's a hybrid between two types of dolphin, which has been seen... Off, um, so that's similar to a, recently. A, a. Is a killer whale? A, yeah, a kind yeah, of a dolphin. A yeah, killer whale is a kind are. of a dolphin, and people have seen in the past also. If like, indeed, if one searches wolfen, one of the things that comes up is um, hybrids between. What were we talking about? Orcas. Orcas. Killer yeah, whales. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, killer whales. And, and dolphins. Yeah. But they're yeah. all dolphins together, so it's not really a wolfen, even though it is amusing to think yeah, back to the life of Brian I and Wadrick. <laughs> Release the wolfen. So have we just debunked a, a actually really cool little piece that happened in the news this week? Have we just kind of blown people's No, no, we haven't. No, no, no. There, there, there are scientists who have been out there saying these things before us. <laughs> we, we are not the bleeding edge of this. Uh, We'd like to think we are. We're not the bleeding edge of the debunkers. No, 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 no. And it it just, it did strike me. It got a lot of press, didn't it? I saw it in the Le Guardian, the the Guardian. (laughs) I know, I I heard it on a few different... Oh, um, did you, right? uh, Yeah, it got around. Right, it got around. So... Is it useful when stuff like that happens? I think it's good to make us think about things. Yeah, and raises the profile. People go, oh, that's kind of cool. There is a thing out there that's kind of yeah. halfway between. And then people start to think about, well, what's a whale and what's a dolphin? And then and then people who actually know about this come out and say, well, actually, guess what? Most things that we call whales are kind of like a, you know, a number of them actually technically yeah, dolphins. So killer whales are dolphins. Yeah. And your, um, so this, in fact, and your melon-headed a- whale is actually a dolphin. Yeah. So it's an adolphinity. So it was, it was a hybrid, but it was a hybrid between two of the same... Broad thing. Yeah. So it was called a, it was really a doll, 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 fin, fin. One could say that, yeah. I imagine. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got any weather? Uh, we got any weather? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Weather today. Well, it's, it's, I don't know what's it looking like today. 18 degrees today it's going to be. Getting, you know, a bit warm. 
Um, there's going to be maybe one to five millimetres of rain. It's a little bit of morning cloud clearing to a sunny afternoon. Slight chance of a shower at night. Uh, winds north 35 to 50 kilometres per hour. Uh, forecast looking ahead. Well, it's dropping down in temperature. And it's going to be 14 degrees for today. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. I uh, know today's going to be 18, but it's going to be 14 for the next three days. And then bumping back up to 18 again later on in the week on Thursday. Um, not a lot of rain on the horizons for the week. Um, perhaps five millimetres on Wednesday, perhaps five millimetres on Tuesday, but less than one millimetre later on in the week. But looking way ahead to next Saturday, there might be a bit more, 10 millimetres. For those of you who are heading out on the water, you'll be interesting to, interested. You might be interesting as well. I'm sure you're interesting. Um, but you'll want to know what's happening with the tide. So at Point Lonsdale, at our heads, it is going to be low tide at about quarter to 11am this morning, and that's going to be 0.061 metre. Huh. No, I say high tide? No, it's low tide. I was going to say, that's a particularly low high yeah, tide. Yeah, no, no, it was high tide at 5am this morning, 1.46 metres, and it's going to be low tide at the heads at about quarter to 11 this morning. On the water, I, I don't know, I mean, surf coast beaches, I don't know, what are they saying? <laughs> good waves, good waves, Swalnet saying it's good waves. That's about it. Maybe we should get Dr. Surf on the blow. But I haven't pre-organised that, so he's probably no, pretty he's probably in the actually out there. He's actually uh, out yeah, there, suited yeah. up. Where would he be? From that, from that, as two people who really understand, well, not much about surfing, and we've just listened to that, I understand how would you very, analyse? I understand very little about well, that's, surfing. That's fantastic, because I understand less. So where do you think you'd predict he'd be from that... Um, Okay, let's read. So, building westerly swells and strengthening northerly winds are creating good waves across the open surf coast beaches. Yeah, I reckon that's down that way. Down that way. He might be at Gunnamatta. He could be. Is that a, No, it's not a surf coast beach, is it? Oh, that tells you how little I do. <laughs> I shouldn't just... be on a show like this. I know no, nothing about the <laughs> no, marine environment. Right. We know stuff about under. Well, you and I perhaps should leave alone things like the surf report and leave it to people like I reckon that would surf. be a good idea. Can You're I, can I just radio. mention one really quick yeah, thing before we go to... Um, so, an interesting paper that I found I today... Have... No, we're going to talk about that next, aren't we? Oh, are we? All right, yeah. all right, okay. No, okay. we're going to... Oh, that's our segment one. This is the introduction. Hey, you're on Radio Marinara. We... We're We've got a awake. whole lot of amazing stuff for you guys today. Um, these, I'm going to first track is a is a local band. Um, they're um, it's they're playing at uh, the Grand View down in uh, was that Hodderberg Road down Fairfield in a couple of weeks on the 18th. Uh, Elephant Hide. Have a listen to this one. So, uh, Elephant Hyde, local band, uh, Meteor, playing at the Grand View on the 18th with a whole lot of other local bands. You know, look at them. Where's the Grand View? You said up in Heidelberg Road. It's kind of Heidelberg Road. Like, it's kind of Fairfield Way corner and Station Street in Heidelberg Road. Hey, and I'm just going to play something else very quickly because uh, we have some very interesting little messages as well this week. The School of Life and Environmental Sciences at Deakin University embraces a wide-ranging research portfolio that makes a positive difference towards expanding knowledge and finding solutions to reducing our environmental footprint. Their academic and research staff are nationally and internationally renowned and supported by cutting-edge technologies, state-of-the-art infrastructure and specialised equipment. If you are interested in making a difference, make Deakin University your number one choice. Proud sponsors of Triple R. 
Fresh from the release of her new single, Native Tongue, Mojo Juju performs at Arts Centre Melbourne. In a raw, honest and intrinsically political performance on the stories behind the songs of her third album. Mojo Juju, Native Tongue, August 8 to 11. Bookings at artsandmelbourne.com.au. Triple R Sponsors. Indeed you are on 3 Triple R on Radio Marinara. Now there's a lot of news. But that, 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 well, there's quite a lot of news. Yeah, we just talked about a Wolfen before and how we shouldn't say Wolfen, so we'll stop saying Wolfen. We won't say Willis the Wolfen anymore. Wolfen. Yeah, yeah. Willis the Wolfen. But um, yeah, a bit of news that I want to mention is um, I, d- I do tend to talk about things which are, are not good on this show, like the you know, the decline in the environment. And yet, well, yet again, I'm going to do it. Uh, this is a paper called Massive Decline of the World's Largest King Penguin Colony at Ile au Cochon, Jose which is um, deep in the Indian Ocean. Ile au Cochon. Ile au Cochon, I meant Pig Island. I was going to say, I thought that meant Pig Island. It does, yeah, Pig Island. Uh, so this is way down deep in the Indian Ocean. And in fact, you know, if, if you can, like if 46 degrees south means anything to you. Oh, that's a long way. What are we, we're 34? Something like so that. So it's yeah, 12 yeah. degrees, Liz. Yeah, it's 12 more. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way. <laughs> it's, a long, it's, it's 12 more. That's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, this place was... For, I'm well, sure there's people going, 12 degrees, wow. Yeah, this is, the, this is the second largest penguin colony in the world, or was, yeah. and in fact the largest king penguin colony in the world. Um, last estimates, this was in the 1980s from satellite images. And by the way, this place was only... People only realised... Um, surveyors went there in 1962 yeah. and realised there was a heap of king penguins there. Probably they estimated then about 300,000 satellite images that we've been getting through the 1980s put it up to around half a million king penguins. Wow. Uh, quite a lot. And king penguins, when they, so they're, they're, it's, it's they're a volcanic like island, pretty rocky, they huddle together and, yeah. like, you know, when they're, when they're nesting and sort of just hanging out, doing things when they're back on land, because of course they spend a lot of time out in the water foraging, yeah, getting yeah. food and all of that, bringing it back to their babies. They snuggle up next to one another. So there's only like one to two metres most. You get like, you know, one the density of a king penguin yeah. on these islands is like one per one square metre. Well, yeah. I think it might be 1.2 square metres. Anyway, last time they had a look, which was in 2017, it had crashed to around 60,000. So we're going from... No. 90% decline. And these are these are kind of... These aren't emperors, but they're you're right up there. They're kind of almost king second, penguins. third biggest. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. quite large. Um, bottom line is, don't know why, because no, you can't really get in there. It, well, it's very uh-huh. difficult to get in there. Rarely visited islands. So this is a paper which has come from a French group. Because um, it's a French protectorate. A French protectorate, yeah, yeah. that's right, yes. Um, well, and also some people in South Africa, because I guess it's not too far from South African biologists there. This is published in Antarctic Science, by the way, volume 30, issue 4, page 236, if anyone wants to look at it. But, um, yeah, no idea at the moment. There, there are some thoughts that perhaps it's feral animals huh? such as cats there, there oh, are that cat, have been introduced over cats time that, cats that have been introduced over time mice are there mice might be knocking off the eggs and remember I don't know if I, uh, you weren't on the show but a couple of weeks ago I talked about a study which has shown that um, where you have rats yeah. on coral islands they are very bad for the coral in fact for the whole in, entire surrounding reef because they are knocking off the seabirds by eating the eggs seabird poo is very very important for the nutrition in the surrounding water. Yep, yep, no, it's around the only yep, kind so, of major source of. So it. here yep. again, we might have um, feral animals, which are 
leading to this I massive did. decline. Yeah. Admittedly, there hasn't been a good census taken in 30 years, but if you compare right. it to the last one they had oh, yeah. in the 80s, like half a million, so down to it, now 60,000. Isn't it extraordinary to imagine that there are places in the world where um, we go and count something and then it takes 30 years, you know, for such a huge, the biggest, second biggest population of anything ever you yep. know, in the world. We go and do that and it takes 30 years before we kind of get back to it and have a look again. And in that period, that kind of decline. They have. It, it, in one way, it makes me feel kind of nice that there are places we don't visit. Yeah, true. That, you know, these are largely uninhabited. Well, they're, they're very un- uninhabited except for the animals. There are no humans living there. Rarely visited. Don't get there very often. Um, but perhaps we should if we're interested in king penguins. Hmm. I, I'm going to... So <laughs> one of the things I want to talk about was um, was that you can't miss, of course, at the moment with the war on waste. And um, coming into Science Week, there's a whole bunch of things now that are focused a bit into war on waste. There's a few different activities around town where that's happening. And one of the ones... Um, one, and, and a thing I'm involved in I want to plug as well... Is, is just the plastics in the ocean question, which is something, of course, on Marinara we've been talking about for, well, decades. And the, the wonderful thing that is happening now is the, is the notice, is what people are suddenly, and when I say people I mean large entities and big movements of people are suddenly going, crikey, maybe we shouldn't just use something once and chuck it away yeah. and where it ends up in the belly of whatever. Now, I'm not connecting these two pieces. No. But, you you know, when, when massive declines of any population anywhere happen, you do look at things like, as you point out, predators or things that eat, you know, outcompete them, or you also look at, look at food mm. and you look at what is actually, you know, what's available there and the kinds of things that are impacting their food sources and, of course, some of the things that impact food sources of... Of uh, anything that moves in the ocean is plastic. And microplastics, which is I'm sure where you're going. We don't know, you know, we, we don't, don't know what the effects are. The interesting thing about microplastics is every single piece of plastic, every single piece of plastic becomes a microplastic. Yep. So the big, big bags eventually become tiny little microplastics and all of those and what they're doing in the food chain. Anyway, um, there's a, and I, I do want to talk broadly about this, but while I'm doing this, I'm going to just quickly plug on Thursday the 16th, at um, Fairfield and um, Fairfield Primary School, uh, there's a little screening, mainly uh, aimed at families. So, you know, parents bring your kids um, in the school of a plastic ocean. And we've talked about a plastic ocean. Yep. I think you know, Bron's reviewed it. And we're actually, there's two versions of it. There's a 20 minute version, which is great for, um, you know, younger, <laughs> younger children. And then there's the longer version, which most of us have seen as well. Um, and then there's a panel discussion afterwards. And I'll be um, emceeing that panel discussion. We'll talk about it. But the mayor of Darabin, Kim Surf will be there. Uh, at least a couple of other. Oh, um, C- uh, Catherine Barraclough, who is from Doctors for the Environment, will be there, and the head of the education part of the zoo, okay. whose name I've just completely forgotten, will also be there. So there's quite a, a great uh, um, array of people on this on this panel. Uh, Kirsty Costa, apologies, Kirsty. Um, she's they're, they're involved in the you know, bubbles, not balloons. Darwin Primary School, did you say? No, Fairfield Primary School. Fairfield Primary a, School. I'll put a link up here, and anyone's welcome. It's a free event. Um, you know, there's a, it's five till seven. Um, there'll be a panel discussion where you can talk about you know, the problem. That's fine. We all know the problem, but it's actually aimed at talking about the solutions. Because the thing about this problem is, every single one of us can actually make a difference. 
That's right. And, and you actually can. You can change your own personal habits. That I know it's a drop in the ocean, but you know sometimes you feel like ah, oh, I can't do anything. That's it, right. It, yeah, it, pick up a bit of plastic wherever you see yeah. it. Not just on the beach. You know, next Anywhere. to the, your local creek. But but on this point, and I, yeah, I might get myself sacked from um, radio for saying this, but I'm just appalled at what. So Coles, you know, getting rid of bags, <gasps> supermarkets getting rid of plastic bags, and you know, reversing on that. But at the same time, they are advertising. They're getting free giveaways to shrunk. Okay. Everyday objects. Like, okay. Like that Vegemite. winds me up. <laughs> so so you've one. got an ad on telly now, which is yep. saying, "Come in and get you know your Tim, Tim Tams or Vegemite or yep. whatever." It's it's like this this small thing which is made of guess what plastic, plastic. which you get given. Yep. You know, it's got no purpose except for a little tiny bit of amusement for about half an hour for some people. I, you know, I am with you, Dr Beach. I, I went in there the other day. I'm now not going in there till the bags disappear. I'm using the other brand um, until the bags actually get out of there because they flip-flop so much, which annoyed me. I just thought if you make a call like that, stick with it. Great call, by the way. Stick with it. And then I went in there <laughs> and I, you know, I'm up there and there's like, a, you know, some wonderful, you know, young teenager going, putting the things through the thingy in. And they've got to say, would you like a whatever? I know the poor things. That. You don't want to arc up at them. It, it's, it, well, you can't. But I mean, what, you don't want to. And I don't, I won't even name where I was, but what this wonderfully aware teenager did was looked at me and said, um, would you like um, some of these? And I kind of looked at this person's face and I went, I looked down and I went, they're just landfill. And she looked at me and she said, yes, I know. Please don't take them. <laughs> and I thought, good on you. Fantastic. You know? So, yeah, so, you know, like the, the kids that are working there are, are, are more aware of the impact of these tiny little... Yeah. And it's a bit different to some of the other things they've run in the past where, you know, they give away cards with information about animals or information about things you can do. I mean, you can see a value in that. Mm-hmm. Little tiny pieces of plastic advertising the stuff you buy there. Yep. Nah. Stop it now. Not at all. Are we off our soapbox now? Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> yep. You're on Radio Marinara. Um, do you, have you got any other bits of news that you want to talk about? Um, oh, the, well, what another? I guess I'm going to talk about one quick one. Another bad thing. Bad oh, thing, potentially oh, bad right. thing. So it's, it's We're trying to empower people to do things. Oh, no, we're Change not trying things. to empower people. <laughs> uh, but this is um, the. So there's a um, an antibiotic which is called oh god I can't even find it now but but anyway antibiotic, antibiotic resistance genes are appearing in vast numbers in rural China in people uh, so this has been found yes. through an analysis of their stools and these are people who are eating a lot of seafood which has been produced through aquaculture in rural China yep and. The idea is that because a lot of this um, antibiotic, which is called Colson, I think it's called, is fed to pigs and other livestock, that that's getting into the waterways and hence into the water which is being used to raise animals in aquaculture, yep. people are eating this and developing this antibiotic resistance and this prevalence of it is 15% of the population in some parts, which is quite and, worrisome. And, that is a, and it's a broad spectrum um, resistance. Uh, so it's MCR1 positive E. coli have been reported in humans worldwide. However, thus far their prevalence is low and potential sources for the carriage of this have not been identified. Yeah, you know, so, you so just normally low, but question, now it's No, I, just, <laughs> I do that all the time. But that level, that kind of antibiotic resistance is yes, generally I'm, I'm, not I'm, a good thing. No, not at all. It um, is, I think it is broad spectrum. Yeah, we should ask them. We should ask the next show, the doctors. No, they're just psychologists. I don't know. It's no, like psychiatrists. they're not. No, Some of them are no, actual doctors. They're going to hate you for saying that. I didn't mean it. I'm just they will, things they like that come, come out of my things like that come out of my mouth. Yeah, that I don't in, mean. Get I don't into know. your head. I shouldn't say things. it. You're on Radio Marinara. We're going to play a quick message um, while 
Peter works, uh, Dr. Peter works how to, re- how, how to retract that next statement, the last statement. We'll be back after this little message. And I, I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to play a track, actually. No, I'm going to play a track first. I'm going to play a track. And it's a track I've picked up and I think it's a relatively mainstream band or in the sense that heavy metal can ever be mainstream. But um, this, this particular band, a, Brit, a, a US band, has been around for a while, I think called New Metal. Anyway, Disturbed. And it's a version of the old Simon and Garfunkel classic, um, Sound of Silence, which is remarkable. It is deep and very disturbing and guttural and it's a kind of a nice lead-in to what we're going to talk about after which is winter wild which can be remarkable deep and possibly disturbing as well i don't know we'll find out from simon but have a listen to this and it just kind of And you are back on Radio Marinara 3RRR after a quick low message about, of course, you know, two weeks away, Dr. Beach. Two uh, weeks. Radiathon is two weeks two away. Weeks. That's right. Yeah, that's where you will all get the opportunity to, to shower us with coins. Well, yeah, but in a, in a metaphorical sense. Yes. Yeah, because we don't actually need virtual, real coins coming at us. No, we'd rather folding stuff. That would hurt. Yeah, it would be a bit or, like the footy in the 70s. Or an electronic yeah. submission of cash. The electronic submission of cash, maybe Inj- injection better. of cash, yeah, it's three triple absolutely. Uh, where it is twenty, it is thirty three minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. It's twenty seven minutes until the doctors come, and they have not yet started amassing. Uh, what? Tell me, what did you think about that version of Sounds of Silence? I love that that version of Sounds of Silence, but but it reminded me that I what I said before about the doctors. Now I do want to apologise for that. They are largely psychiatrists who are trained as full doctors, and they know a lot about <laughs> all sorts of things medically. <laughs> yeah, and I'm. Backpedaling as fast uh, as I can go, so I don't get crucified right, in uh, half an hour's time. I won't. Uh, I won't. Let you, I won't hold you to that one. Hey, um, Winter Wild, West Coast. Winter, Winter Wild is in August in Apollo Bay for second year, and um, we've actually um, it's got a, it's got cut two weekends of fantastic things: death and birth, and um, including our next guest Simon J. Harris from Nice Music, who joins us live in the studio. Good morning, Hi Simon. Thanks for having me. Hey. Certainly. Now, uh, of course, Disturbed has some meaning for you as well, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Huge. What a grandiose production. <laughs> Part of my, my musical past. I think that that kind of came out not long after I started working at, like, uh, Gaslight Records yeah. years ago in the city. And, yeah, new metal was a big deal. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? We could they? do anything. <laughs> Absolutely, because you've deviated into electronica, I guess, from you know, now and other other uh, things. Yeah, yeah, I just like I don't know. I've always been a bit like spread very thin with across lots of interests. I guess yeah. broad, broad range, very interests. broad. Yeah, but yeah. I've always thought it would be cool to know heaps about one type of music, but no, I just know like little bits about. <laughs> that sounds like my career. <laughs> Spread thin across a wide range of things and not knowing much about anything in particular. And it's also a perfect metaphor for what all of us collectively know about the whole of Winter Wild. <laughs> we all know little bits about lots of well, things. Well, that keeps it interesting. We've got, we've got an iPad here. We're looking at that. <laughs> mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read your quote. So Winter Wild, second year, second year running it. And mm. It started off last year. And I'm going to read your little quote about why it happens, which I think is gorgeous. Um, so what you do is you see the town as the locals see it when all the visitors have left in winter dark wild and raw Mm. so there you go Mm. so is that what happens well (laughs) it it would make a lot of sense to that you would see it that way because no one's really going there yet um 
for that much kind of tourism. I guess it's like in the warmer months it gets a bit more mm. populated. So it's interesting to see those spaces in off season. I also earlier this year for some reason I went on a trip to Mount Buller near Mount Buller, like. <laughs> Oh, but like off season. A, yeah, yeah, it was like in March or something, and it was so interesting. It was really funny talking to everyone there because I feel like their attitudes and conversations were very different to the ones you would have during the on season. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Um, so off season in Apollo Bay. Yeah. So what is Winter Wild for those who don't know? Like broadly, what is it? Well, it's a culture and arts festival. It's pretty music centric. Um, I guess just by looking at the program, that there's. I guess for most people, there'd be a handful of things musically that they would know right away, like um, people like Adelita and RBG, obviously Triple R listeners be really familiar with those people and um, Tropical F-Storm. Yeah, this time of the day we say it that way. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, they've done a really good job picking some some big things to pique people's interests um, casually or not casually or whatever with a, a great lineup, and then there's... Um, people that come into it, like me, who are just... Um, uh, Bill and the people that run the festival, um, again, they have very broad tastes <laughs> and that appeals to me and, and um, the fans of the label and, and got in touch quite early on and asked us if we wanted to just pick some things from the label to be part of it and I, I was very, very honoured to be part of it because it was so diverse and, and strong, yeah. So who did you pick from the label to be in? Um, so... Uh, I'm playing first, yeah, because <laughs> um, I thought it'd be fun. But then after that, it's a uh, uh, golden syrup. Who um, some triple listeners may know. Um, uh, I guess like a sparse kind of um, electronic pop music project from Sarah Retallick, who also plays in Modcon, um, and uh, Nina Buchanan, who's a I guess a deconstructed. Um, industrial techno artist on the label. Goodness, a deconstructed industrial yeah, techno artist. Yeah, in the in the sense that it's 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 palpably industrial techno, but yeah. it's with very few elements, and it's um it's like huh. a less is more thing. Yeah. And um, you're performing on so it's it's two weekends mm, separated mm. by a week's hiatus, and well, two weeks it's in the two, middle. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the weekend. Well, next weekend. Friday the 10th till the 12th. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then again from the 24th to the 26th. So that's nice. You get a rest in the middle. (laughs) That's right. In between. So you're you're performing on the the second weekend, is it? Yeah, the 25th is the nice music program. Yeah. And each, all the events spread across the two weekends. So the two weekends are are, are, are respectively called death Mm. and birth. Yeah. So birth comes after that's death, right. thankfully. I, sorry, I also sh- sorry, should mention yeah. that Various Asses is, is playing as well. That's the other artist that's ah, playing. Yes, yeah. um, who's one of the bigger things on the label and she has an imminent release on um, Sydney's Paradise Daily, which is very kindred label for us, yeah. And you said that the night you're playing in the nice music... Is, is that because that's the birth weekend as opposed to the death <laughs> weekend, which is the first weekend? Oh, geez, I don't know. At I what don't point does it get... It's very... Uh, yeah, it's very high concepts, but it, it, I don't know where I fit into it exactly. I'm just kind of doing whatever Bill tells me at this <laughs> point. And, but yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not super. Uh, I'm waiting till I get there to figure out the birth part. Oh no, no, he did tell me about it. Okay, I don't know if I should ruin the surprise. Oh for no, maybe I don't know, maybe, maybe no. Yeah. There is there is a massive big, and it does say this publicly. Yeah, a massive big fire activity at the end yeah it's in, which is kind of all that classic kind of rebirthing fire thing you know? it's gonna be madness like yeah, okay. i don't know who came up with the idea it's 
really cooked idea. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so Ooh. get down there. On so that, that'll be on the <laughs> 26th. second weekend. That's immediately yeah. after our program. So after Various Houses plays, then the, the fire event, event happens. Yeah. And is it, now where are you guys, so you guys, at your, your event, each of these events is called something differently. Yours mm. is actually Moksha. Mm. And where is it? Because um, in the forest? No. I, I think it's... I think it's off the, the beaten track yeah. a little bit because there's a courier, uh, sorry, a courier, a, a um, a bus that's taking us there. It's in the Otway somewhere. Yeah, like just out the back of yeah. Apollo Bay. Yeah, um, yeah, we're sharing it with. I should say we're sharing that that bill with a bunch of other people as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a handful of nice music things. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know heaps about the actual venue, but it's not in the thick of it in town. So it's a, no. th- I, I did see something yesterday in the media about a, a, a what was a quarry, mm. which has been. I, yeah, yeah. Artists and, and it's terrible. I can't remember who was there, but 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 stuff is happening in this. Yeah, quiet. yeah, yeah. So that event, which is one that really caught my eye, is called the Sublime. Right, and yep. that's down. I think that's both weekends, and it is crazy. It's mm. like there's all this virtual reality superimposed onto the kind of quarry. Just the quarry, oh, yeah. and you and you walk through. It's a two, it's a music soundscape with virtual. I, th- I don't know whether you wear virtual reality or it's somehow uh, you get maybe it. So into augment, you. augmented reality. Maybe it yeah. is, and then you move around this landscape, and there are not real things and real things and music designed to kind of work with the quarry. Mm, so yeah. that's called the sublime. That's another piece of mm. piece that's on. It's going to be a treat once I've had a bit of sleep deprivation later in the. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one that caught my eye called Bush Tan- the Bush Tannery. Oh. Did you see that? Have you guys seen this one? This is no, no, I have not. <laughs> this one is just killer. The Apollo Bay Fishermen's Co-op are running a thing called the Bush Tannery. And what you do is you learn how to make leather from fish skins. Oh. Isn't that cool? That's yeah. awesome. So there's actually... I wonder how durable it is then. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I can see that, that, can that make that a cool headband or something? I can see that's at 2 o'clock on Sunday the 12th at the Apollo Bay Sailing Club. So it's it's spread across right across town. Oh. What other stuff can you see? Uh, what else can I see? Well, I, c- I can see um, well, coffees in the morning. Also, um, well, there's, there's Adelita, Good. a nice picture of Adelita, and yeah. So the yeah, music, so the mechanic, the Mac Hall, the Mechanics Hall, presumably that's where Tropical F Storm are playing, um, and Apollo Bay Hotel, Garden of Eden party, DJ Ram Daddy, um, Darklight, Outdoor Cinema, Terra Nullius and Shorts, Apollo Bay Sailing Club. So many things. So many things. And then Moksha, of course, at 9.30 on the um, Saturday the 25th. Deeper Water, the songs of Paul Kelly at the Brew House. Mm. So it's o'clock. a bit, the way it kind of looks, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear your view, but it's it's kind of like a, um, it's almost a bit kind of mofo in its, you know, in its kind of... I, I think that festivals like that are definitely a bit of a model for yeah. Bill and... and and Bill, Bill, like, is the main person I've spoken to, and he, yeah, he's appreciating the good parts of those kinds of festivals and yeah, really yeah. trying to make something special in a similar kind of vein, I think. And, yeah, he's, he's brought a lot of different stuff together. It's a huge program. <laughs> and the thing that I always think about, you know, Apollo Bay has, has clearly um, kind of embraced it. Mm. You know, when well, the Fishman's Co-op they? are kind of, you know, like, yeah. you just think, what a fantastic... Well, I think that it's... I think that there's quite a bit of um, council um, investment and and, um, and cooperation there. Like it's a, it's a it's a pretty focused kind of uh, thing to get people down there, especially in off season as well. Yeah. yeah. I can also say murder ballads, songs in Nick Cave at the Brew House. 
creation of Polo Bay Indoor Market and Gallery Pop-Up. It's all sorts of stuff happening yeah, down there. Yeah, So it's... Um, Very family-friendly, which is cool yeah, as well, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And it's mostly... Well, it's during the day, but then there's kind of the more... Um, the old... The, the things <laughs> for older kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, start to kick off really yeah. after dark. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. So um, how do people find out more info? Well, you can go to uh, Winter Wild, Polo Bay. Works yeah. in a Google search. Well, in, in, in your favourite oh, search right. engine. It is. It does, indeed. Yeah, and again, it's... Um, so death is the first weekend, August 10 to 12. Birth is the second weekend, August 24 to 26. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated. I know you don't have the answer to this, son, <laughs> no, but, but why, why there's a weekend gap in the middle. Uh-huh. But I, I like that idea because you can, you know, go to the first weekend, have a bit of a recovery, yeah. head back to yeah. Y River... Wherever you're going, maybe. maybe all the way back to Melbourne, maybe all the way to Adelaide, and then head back again two weeks later. Mm. But I don't know. Like, are people going to come back and forth? It re- regardless, even if it was two consecutive weekends, you still have to go back and forth. Yeah, right? true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. may as well make it a gap in between. That's right. And and inconvenience the locals less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that too. Actually, yeah. yeah. Hey, and be- just as we finish though, Simon, what what's the thing you're most looking forward to? Um. I'm just looking forward to seeing artists that I picked being on a big stage <laughs> looking fantastic and sounding fantastic. It's a treat. Like, I'm, this is why I'm stoked to be doing it because having uh, the right forum for artists that I think are uh, important uh, and they're the ones I get behind, I mean, that's a treat. Yeah, for me and them, I guess. Yeah, and so you uh, you can find out those um, all the information you need from uh, winterwildapollobay.com.au, and if you click on Moksha, then you'll find specifically about the event that Simon's talking about. But any of the other events are all in there as well. Simon Karras, thanks so much for joining us this morning on Marinara. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. We are on, uh, you are on Radio Marinara. It is fifteen minutes to the hour of ten o'clock, which means fifteen minutes until Doctor Beach personally. Apologises well, well, to well, welcomes all of the, the, the doctors into the studio, <laughs> and um, we're going to play actually not nothing from the event that we're just talking about. We're going to play something completely different, um, and an- it's actually another remake. But it's a um, I'll just let it speak for itself. It's Briggs and Dwayne Everett Smith and Garamal doing Archie Roach. It's Radio Marinara. It's about 10 minutes to 10 o'clock, which means 10 minutes to the doctors, and we'll find out all kinds of amazing uh, medical and psychological interesting phenomena. Our next guest can look at what is in the sediment at the bottom of an estuary and tell us that's full history. 
uh, an actual estuary detective. I'm sure Sarah's going to be very happy with me calling her that. But anyway, hey, Dr. Sarah McSweeney is a lecturer in the School of Geography at the University of Melbourne. And what she does not know about how or what is what makes an estuary tick is not worth knowing. She joins us live by phone this morning. Good morning, Sarah, and welcome to Radio Marinara. Morning, Anthony. Now, uh, you've been having a look at the history of a particular creek down Mornington Way, the Belcombe Creek, um, back in time. And for those who don't know, maybe let's start with where is Belcombe Creek and what, what does it look like? Okay, so um, Belcombe Creek is located um, in Port Phillip Bay in the suburb of Mount Martha. Um, it's a small little estuary. It only goes up into the catchment a couple of k's. And something quite special about it is that it actually closes off to the ocean. So when there's not a lot of flow coming out from the catchment, um, there's a sandbar which forms across the mouth and that can keep it closed off uh, from the bay until there's a flood or a lot of rain that comes through to open it. And so is it a geologically, is it an old estuary? Um, yeah, it is. So the estuary um, as it is today is probably at least about 7,000 years old. Um, and over time, it's been gradually filling up with sand and mud um, that come from the ocean and from the catchment. And so, so you've spent some time over, over recent time looking into this estuary. And how do you actually use the sediments in the bottom of this creek's estuary to tell you something about its history? Okay, um, so what we've done, um, first of all, is working with a team um, out of Melbourne University um, and also Alluvium Consulting. And what we were looking at in this project was how old is the estuary and how has the rates of um, sand and mud accumulation changed over time. So what we did is we went in um, and we put some sediment cores in the ground. So those are... Um, kind of like pipes which catch the mud and then you can bring it up and look at how old that sediment might be. So to look at the ages of the sediments, uh, we use two different techniques. Uh, one is called radiocarbon dating or carbon dating. And what that does is it looks at the ages of dead animals and plants, so things like shells um, or roots of plants. And you can use that as a proxy to tell how old that layer of sediment might be. And so how how kind of fine can you get that resolution? Can you kind of go, oh, well, this one was, was laid down on a Tuesday in September, whereas this one's in <laughs> a, you know, October on a Friday? Or is it a bit broader than that? Um, it's a bit broader, so um, probably within decades or so is the oh, error okay. range. Decades? Yeah, so That's it. pretty fine. We got us. It is, yeah. We got ours down to about 20 years um, error range um, and the actual ages being, you know, 7,000 to, to, to 6,000 years old or so. Wow, so, so you kind of within 20 years. Sarah, it's Dr. Yeah. Beach here. Hi, how are you going? Hi, Sarah, it's Dr. Beach here. I, I, I just wanted to ask you. Oh, hi. Um, hi. So <laughs> 7,000 years old and you're looking at the cause... I'd imagine that you see a dramatic change in the last 150, say, 200 years when you look at the top layer. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of relates to the second method um, of dating that we did, which relies on uh, lead 210. Um, so what that does is we take smaller cores just in that very top layer, which we kind of thought might be a result of people's activities in the catchment. And that... Um, 
has a much finer age resolution, so you can get it down to um, sometimes even single years. Wow. So the top part of the catchment, uh, the top part of the cause we saw was really only being um, probably about 80 years old at the most, and that was a really big increase in the rates of sediment that's come into the estuary. So since people had changed the catchment, we saw a lot higher loads of sand um, and muds and things basically filling up the estuary basin. And because, of course, there were people um, in that 7,000-year period, uh, right through that period, that would have been living in and around this estuary. And then, of course, the numbers would have picked up in the last 150 to 200 years. Is there a story that you can tell from the sediment of that could relate to people through the entire 7,000 years? Um, so we haven't really picked up much of a signal from people throughout that longer 7,000-year time frame. Um, but another thing we can look at is pollens from plants. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can sometimes, if we see you know, people coming in from overseas and bringing, like, exotic species like palm trees and they release those pollens, we can get that signal back a bit further than the last 200 years or so, maybe. Yeah, right. Um, So, interestingly from that, though, is a little bit building on what Dr Beach and you were just saying, that the biggest change of, of, of activity in the catchment has been in the last 150 years odd. Before that, whilst there were people there, they were generally probably not changing the catchment that much. That's what I'm assuming from that kind of lack of signal older and a signal um, recently. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so what was, like, so what happened? Is there anything, you would have picked up kind of, what was that, was that the end of the Ice Age kind of, what, 7,000 years ago? Would you have picked up signals of those kinds of things? Um, yeah, so what happened at the, the end of the last ice age, um, so the global climate got a lot warmer and we saw the snow and ice melt. So that actually increased the sea level. And that really started to kick off um, probably about maybe 12,000 years or so ago. So the sea level came up really rapidly and flooded um, old river valleys. And that's what actually caused our present day estuaries. And when that stabilised about 6,000 years ago or so, um, that's when we start seeing things like sand and mud from the catchment, really changing the lagoon of the estuaries um, as opposed to sea level. So that's why our site, we got the earliest age as being about 7,000 years um, as the change that happened once sea levels had nearly stopped rising and just started infilling from the catchment. And do you have a kind of a, a story that you've pieced together through this um, kind of detective work about how what you think happened with that estuary over time? Yeah, we do. It's, um, it's really cool. So we have kind of put it into three different stages. Um, so our first stage is so starting when it was um, the older states, 7,000 or so years ago. We picked up that at the base of our sediment cores in Balcombe Creek. Um, that age of 7,000 years. So we think that represents um, when sea levels had come up hmm. and kind of started to stabilise. And the estuary at that point was quite deep, probably over several metres deep, wow. um, and potentially open to the ocean as well. So it's kind of like um, sea levels come up, reset it, um, and it's a big, deep basin. And then from about 5,000 years to... Um, the last 
you know, a few hundred years before Europeans or people started really influencing the basin, um, we would have seen a gradual increase um, or a gradual shallowing of the estuary as we see sediment and things come down from the rivers and the catchment. And what was really cool is that um, we picked up a layer of old seagrass forests in the estuary. (laughs) Yeah, so it was a really kind of um, organic, smelly um, layer, about half a metre thick, maybe a little bit more. Um, And that actually still had some of the old roots and things preserved in it. So we think that seagrass uh, community would have formed because the estuary had got shallow enough um, that the light could reach the base. Fantastic. And that gave, yeah, gave really good conditions for grasses to grow. We're coming up against 10 o'clock. We're going to have to wind it up. But the, and so the last one is that one we talked about earlier where, where there's basically European settlement and the catchment changing the activity. Yep, absolutely. So that's the last phase. Um, with a lot of clearance of forest um, and the catchment, we're seeing really high loads of sediment come in. So the estuary now is, um, yeah, become really shallow really quickly. It's amazing what you can tell, and you can tell that from taking cores out of the mud and, and analysing what was in it. That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic, yeah, and, and really exciting to piece the story together. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Radio Marinara. Cool, thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.